Good morning, Uniontown at home. Why don't you grab your Bibles with me? Go to the book of 2 Peter, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start uh, this morning in, uh, actually I'm going to start reading in verse 3. So uh, kind of a lengthy chunk of scripture. It's a technical term. Learned that in seminary. Paid thousands of dollars to know that term, chunk. So there's a lengthy chunk of scripture this morning uh, that I, I want to read and then kind of work through with you. Okay, so 2 Peter chapter 1. Starting in verse 3, it says this, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these He has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, and self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Therefore, I'll always remind you about these things even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. I think it's right, as long as I am in this bodily tent, to wake you up with a reminder, since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made very clear to me. And I will also make every effort so that you're able to recall these things at any time after my departure. So it's New Year's, and... Uh, as is always the case in New Year's, um, many of us have made resolutions. Many of us have a desire to change virtually everything about ourselves. <laughs> uh, many of us are content just to grow in a few areas and, and, and do that way. But, but suffice to say, no one's really satisfied where they are. Right? Nobody's fully satisfied. That's why, that's why our gyms are packed right now. I mean, if you're a member of a gym, right now is the worst time of year because all these newbies come in pretending that they're going to still be there in August when, in fact, you probably have another week or two before they start drifting off as well. Uh, it's, uh, nobody's satisfied where they are, so our gyms are packed. Not only that, nobody's satisfied where they are, so we have killed many toner plants. I don't think there's such a thing. But <laughs> We've wiped out many printer cartridges as we have printed off our yearly Bible reading plans, intent on reading through the Bible in a year. But alas, uh, although many of you may be in Exodus now, praise the Lord, you made it through Genesis. Um, if we finish the Bible reading program, that's, a, that's different for most of us, isn't it? So what, what, how, do we, how do we make those actual changes? How do we actually grow in those areas? How do we get from point A to point B? Um, it's certainly not just trying. <laughs> certainly not just trying. Uh, trying's good. But there's got to be something bigger, something better. There's something that actually needs to help us. And Peter tells us that what's going to help you in your growth is... His God's power. Look at verse 3. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Peter starts off by with what's already been done for us. You have been given this power and the foundation of any real lasting growth, any real lasting change in your life 
uh, isn't your rugged stick to It's the power of God. It's not in your best efforts. It's not in your um, uh, interest to change. It's not in your promises to grow through certain things to people you have disappointed in the past. It's not in reading a new book. It's not in a new mantra. It's not forming new habits. It's in the very power of God given to you. Now, don't think power of God like this mystical power that you suddenly feel coursing through your veins. This is a goofy one, um, but if you think back when I was a kid, uh, it was WWF, not WWE, but Hulk Hogan was the man, and we all cheered for the Hulkster, and, and there'd be these moments he'd be fighting against all of these evil people like Sergeant Slaughter, I never thought that one through really fully till now, uh, the Iron Sheik, or Andre the Giant, when Andre the Giant got bad all of a sudden, um, and, and, and he'd be being beaten, and he'd his head would be down, and his arms would be down, and the crowd would start chanting the, the Hulk's name, I guess, and suddenly you could see the power coming, right? And the arms would shake, and then an arm would go up, and you knew that the Hulk smash was going to happen, and even though I don't think that was actually a thing, the WWF, and most of you don't know that and don't really care, but that's okay. The point is, when you hear about the power of God that is made available to you, given to you, you don't think of this, this sudden power of coursing through your veins. You don't think of a Popeye <laughs> suddenly eating the spinach, and then he's, he's going to save olive oil all of a sudden. What, what you need to understand is that power is given to you, made available to you, and Peter makes it clear where we get it, through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his own goodness. It's through the knowledge of God. You and I were created to know God, so we should make that our primary goal, our aim in life, to know him. There's a book that uh, many of you have read. Um, if you haven't read it, I would encourage you, you should read it at some point. Um, it's a book that was written in 1973 by J.I. Packer, and it's called Knowing God, of all things, Knowing God. And um, that book, I read that in college. I've read it probably four or five times since college. And what is profound about that book is its simplicity. What J.I. Packer makes very clear is that the ignorance of who God is and what God has done has led Christians to be weaker than they should be. And then that falls in line with what Peter is saying. You gain the, the power that God has given to you for life and godliness comes through the knowledge of who God is. If you don't know God, you don't have access to that power. You don't have that power in your life. A Packer makes a statement to not study God is to waste your life and lose your soul. <laughs> and you you got to understand that, that, that knowing God is, is really... <laughs> The chief aim, although there's some theological statements that would say otherwise, that really is our primary goal, to know him. Paul says that. Forget everything else. Uh, I count everything else as dumb. But, but this one thing that I, I, I push forward to, to know him. right? Jesus tells us that eternal life is actually knowing him. John 17, verse 3, and this is eternal life. That they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Um, the, the, the best thing in life, the thing that brings more joy, more delight, more contentment than anything else is knowledge of God. That's what Jeremiah 9 says, verses 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. The wise person should not boast in his wisdom. The strong should not boast in his strength. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth. But the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and he knows me. See, that's, that's our goal. That's our aim. And when you know him well, then you have access to the power that God has given to you to grow. You don't grow by trying to grow. That sounds crazy, but, but it's the same thing. You don't get taller by trying to get taller. You can't be like, I'm going to get taller. I'm trying. You can't do that. It doesn't work. You get taller by good nutrition, taking care of yourself, good rest, 
um, exercise, taking care of your body, and then you, you, you then start to get taller. You don't grow by trying to grow. You grow by getting to know God. Just like you would fail at getting taller if you were just, that's the only thing you were doing is trying to get taller. You will fail at changing on your own. You will fail at growing if you will get stuck if you are trying it on your own power because your power is limited and only take you so far. But instead, when you focus on knowing God, when you focus on making Him the priority of your life, you make sure you're in relationship with Him, that you're relying on Him and getting to know Him better, you will then in turn grow. Which is why I have to ask you, do you know God? Do you know God? I, I don't assume that just because you're watching a church service online that you um, have a great relationship with God and you know Him well and you've, you've, you've pursued Him. I don't assume that. So I need to ask you, do you know Him? Are you in relationship with Him? Have you thrown yourself on what Jesus has done for you in giving His life for your sins? Do you, do you depend daily on Him? Do you, do you say you know Him? Not know about Him. Not, not know what other people have said about Him. Not know who you think He is. Not defining Him yourself, but do you know Him? Do you know Him based on the, 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 the revelation of Himself through His Word? Do you know Him? Are you spending time with Him? You were made to know God and live in relationship with Him. Do you know Him? This is how you know Him. Through Jesus Christ. Through His Word. Through spending time with Him. Do you know Him? God's given us everything we need. So we don't have to rely on ourselves. But that doesn't mean we're passive. That doesn't mean we just get to sit by the side and, Okay, God, you're giving me the power. And you give me the power to grow, so here I go. I'm just going to grow. I'm going to sit in the sun and grow like a weed. Is that, is that, that's not how it works. It doesn't mean that you're passive. I think too often Christians treat it like the person who brings their treadmill back to the store after having it for six months and complains that it didn't work. When in fact they never actually turned it on and they certainly didn't get on it and walk on it. They just brought the treadmill home and expected to see change in their lives from that. You, you can't return it because it doesn't work if you never got on the thing. Same thing goes here. You, you are not called just to sit by and let God's power grow you. You have things to do. He's given us all we need. So we then need to be making every effort to be growing. Let's make every effort to be growing. That's what he says in verse 5. For this very reason, because God has given us the power for life and godliness, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. And then he goes through the list, which we'll go through in, in just a minute. So if we're depending on God's power to give us everything we need, then, then we must, uh, uh, th th this must work. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how I'd say it. It's got to show itself, demonstrate itself. It's got to work itself out in some very practical ways. All right. So, so think about it. It's, it's got to take intentionality. It's got to take planning. It's got to take energy. It's got to take effort. It's, it's got to take, the, <laughs> it's got to take choreography. And, and, and I, I promise you, I know nothing about dancing, okay? I know a little bit about uh, dramatic choreography and blocking and those things, but I don't know anything about dancing. But choreography, nuts and bolts of choreography is you go here, you go there. You spin at the same time and then walk towards each other and try not to collide and you do this and you do all that. That's the, that's the idea of choreography, right? Well, the root word for supplement in the Greek is the same root word we get choreography from. 
All of these things that are in this list are supposed to work in harmony and in concert with each other. Now, you don't take them individually. Instead, you need to keep pressing forward in every single one of them. So he starts with faith. He says, listen, you take your faith and supplement your faith with. And so, so when he begins with faith, that's the, the starting point. It's trusting God. That's, that's where it all begins. That's where all the other qualities that are about to come, come from after your faith. So you supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness is moral excellence. It's virtue. It's integrity. Integrity is being committed and, uh, um, to do what's right no matter what the consequences. It's doing what's right even though it means your harm at times. That's integrity, that's goodness, that's what he's talking about. So, so you need to be adding to your faith goodness, add to your goodness knowledge. We just talked about that knowledge, growth in your knowledge of who God is, and add to that self-control. Self-control is the ability to restrain yourself from taking good things to the extreme. Okay, so let me explain. The best picture I know is the gas pedal. It's a, it's a great tool, but you take that puppy to the extreme and you're going to have all kinds of problems, right? It's the same thing. Food, uh, sleep, uh, work, uh, sex. So if you take any of those things and bring them to the extreme, they become a problem. Self-control is governing or regulating those different things appropriately. So you should be growing in your self-control. You should be growing in your endurance. Endurance, that means to stay faithful, not just for a short time, but over the long haul, even when things are tough, even when circumstances are difficult. If you are going to grow in endurance, if you're going to live a life that is marked by endurance, it's going to take you understanding that oftentimes God is way more concerned about your character changing than he is about your circumstances changing. So you supplement with endurance and then godliness pleasing god in every phase of life seeking to bring him pleasure making him first and foremost in everything you say do think then supplement your godliness with brotherly affection that means caring for the needs of other people that means celebrating their wins mourning their losses even though they're siblings and sometimes it's pretty difficult to do that with your siblings isn't it <laughs> brotherly affection then supplement your brotherly affection with love love is the quality that sums up all of the other qualities it means desiring good for other people so so that's the list that peter has given us peter has told us to make every effort to supplement these things make every effort to be growing in these areas and if you're like me you read a list like that and you are instantly overwhelmed <laughs> but but the good news is you, you don't have to have perfection you need to have growth you must always be increasing look at verse 8 if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ if you possess these things in increasing measure they must always be increasing not as compared to anybody else this is just a you thing right this is just you you need to be increasing in these things day after day Month after month, week after week. I got those backwards. Year after year. I'll get it right. <laughs> but because God's given us the power, you need to make every effort within that power to grow. Now, it's important you understand. You're not doing this to gain God's acceptance. Okay? If you're already in Jesus Christ, you already have his acceptance. You, you don't need to do these things in order to gain his acceptance. You work for growth because God has already worked for you and he's already working in you. All right, so please don't, don't, don't reverse that order. If you reverse the order, you end up with a gospel that isn't 
filled with good news, so it's really not a gospel, right? So, so uh, Philippians 3.12 does not say, I press on to make it my own in order that Jesus Christ might make me his own. It's not what it says. It says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Okay, so, so again, verse 8. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind, short-sighted, and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. So, so if you are increasing in these things, you are effective and you are fruitful as a result of your knowledge of Jesus Christ. However, if you are not increasing in these areas... I'll just use Peter's words from the Christian Standard Bible as I have read it three times now. If you are not increasing in these things, it says you are useless and unfruitful. You are ineffective. You're not connected to the vine. You're a branch that's just withering and dying. And if that's the case, it's because you're living a life that's characterized by a massive blind spot. I mean, he, he says that if the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted. Why? What blind spot? You have shut your eyes to the beauty of God's promises. You, you, you have forgotten the, the humble exhilaration of, of being forgiven a debt that you could never repay on your own. He says that you, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted. They've forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. So you need to be making every effort to be growing. Because the power of God has been given to you to accomplish some of those things. Let me, let me, let me jump to verse 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. So, let's make sure we we understand this. Peter, already in in verse 1, he says, To those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's addressing his letter, and he's talking to those who have a faith equal to Peter. Okay? Then again in verse 12, uh, he says, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. So what Peter has made clear already from verse 1 and verse 12, he has gone out of his way to reassure them of the validity of their faith already. So the expression here where it says, make your calling and election sure, can't suggest that God has any doubts about their faith or their calling. Okay, Like, like like a dentist will call you to confirm your appointment, right? The dentist knows you have an appointment. They just need to make sure you know. I mean, they know by experience that the further you get away from having made the appointment, the more likely you are to forget it. So they want you to remember. Likewise, that's how God's speaking to us here through Peter. That's how Peter's using this word. He says, I want you to confirm your calling and election, See, Peter is talking um, this way, that the problem of doubt and questioning is one that the 
the readers would have struggled with. Not the one that God struggled with. God's confident in their standing. It's just at times the readers were struggling with some of these things. And so, so Peter says, listen, I want you to live assured that this is yours. Guys, I, I get it. I, okay. The assurance of salvation isn't essential to salvation. Okay. However, it's essential to living a life of joy and satisfaction. So the, 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 the Christian who's confirmed in his election, who's confirmed in his calling, the, the one who's, who's growing in all of these areas and in so doing has led them to confirm the fact that, that God himself has called them, elected them, that, 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 that he's not always going to be on the mountaintop. He's not going to knock these things out of the park. He's not always going to be perfect. He's going to be increasing. So he may not be on the mountaintop, but he's always climbing a little bit higher. So that confirmation, that the confidence, the, the assurance of the, the election and calling doesn't come from feelings. It doesn't come from experiences. It doesn't come from a baptismal certificate. It doesn't come from dreams and, and visions. It comes from continued growth. Here's why. God's very desire, um, you could even say God's very demand of those who he has elected and called is that they would be growing into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that is foundationally, fundamentally, what you are supposed to be doing as one of God's elect. So Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, Those he also foreknew, he's also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. The ones that God knew ahead of time, he has determined and desired that they would grow into the image of his son Jesus Christ. So as you are growing in those qualities, what you are what you are in fact doing is is fulfilling the desire and the demand of God who has called you and who has elected you and in so doing you are making sure or confirming the calling or election of God on your life and finding this this fuller assurance of this is who I am. I'm one of his. I'm one of his. But but you know honestly sometimes you don't know uh, how much you've grown. You don't know if these things are ever increasing, do you? So how, how can you know that you're growing? How can you, how can you know? Well, okay, I'll give you a couple of real, really uh, practical um, ideas here for that. First, I would say get a lot of honest friends. Honest friends who uh, just in everyday life, who, who you rub shoulders with, uh, who you see regularly, who talk to regularly, who know you well enough to know that when they look at you and you are struggling and you have ceased growing in an area, that they have permission to speak into your life about those things and say, yo, step up your game. I'm going to hold you accountable to this right now. You must be growing and you've stopped. So, so honest friends, that's really important. Another one, intentional discipleship intentional discipleship relationships that are the, the intentionality of those relationships is to be looking at these areas where you're supposed to be growing and to be uh, ensuring that they're walking alongside you as you are doing those things. So, so small groups or one-on-ones or, uh, or the, the threefold cords or whatever you want to call it. But those intentional discipleship relationships are really important to that, that growth process. And, and here's one I, I do sort of regularly, but not a whole lot, but journal. Uh, journal. And, and here's why. Journal everything. Journal your struggles. Journal what's going well. Journal your victories. Journal your defeats. Journal your doubts. Journal those moments where God just arrives on the scene and there's no question. It's Him. Journal all of those things so that at some point you can then do the long look back and start reading things. And what you will notice is, although you may not notice it in the moment, 
there has been growth over that extended period of time. It's a lot like the kids. As the kids are getting taller and taller and taller, you, you tend to not notice because you're around them all the time until you go away for a while and then you come back and it's like, whoa. Or, or you run to the door jam and you see the little pencil marks on there and it's like, man, you have grown. <laughs> Didn't even notice, but you have grown so very much. It's important that you do those things. So I'm, I'm getting towards the end here. So kind of kind of buckle up. You, you're, not, you're not only growing to confirm you're calling an election, okay? This is really cheesy. I apologize. I'm not. I'm not a cheesy guy. Well, I am a super cheesy guy, but but I try not to let it come out in my preaching. I try to just shoot. But okay, long story. That was that was a side. You're not just growing to confirm your calling an election. You are growing, and in your growing, you are sending an RSVP that God will gladly answer. Now, <laughs> bear with me. I fully admit cheesy. All right, this RSVP that God will gladly answer. And I, and I get this um, from verse 11. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Let me explain that. We've heard at times um, people, good people with good motives and good intents say that they're just going to be happy and satisfied if they, they're able just to crawl their sorry soul across the finish line into heaven itself. Just, just get my carcass there. It, it's going to be bedraggled. I'm going to be drooping. I'm going to be exhausted. I am just going to claw and crawl my way across that finish line. And we can understand that sentiment sometimes, right? The difficulties of this world. And, and honestly, the reality that uh, the mercy that God has shown me is immense. And I have nothing good or capable of myself that would get me across that finish line. Uh, I need God to get me across that finish line because I bring nothing on my own. So, so I understand the sentiment there. But let me be clear. There's a sense that those words should never be applied to the Christian. That there should be no satisfaction, and at least I made it. God's desire is that believers would have the fullest possible Christian life now, and then enter fully into the joy of the Lord. That's the, the true Christian life, the life of fullness, of power, of depth, and reality, which is why Peter is writing this to us. He's saying, I gotta help you. I gotta help you in this moment. Your entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. So, so richly is speaking both of the value of the object and the abundance of the object. Okay, so this thing is worth a lot, and there's a lot of it. And so, so what he's saying is you will be richly uh, provided for you, this entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, so get this, that what's happening is as you are growing and as you are depending on the very power of God, God is then paving your way, leading you in singing, dancing, and providing your glorious entrance into that eternal kingdom. This is no small entrance. This isn't crawling across the finish line. Now, your, your entrance into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ, our Savior, should be much more like the Roman conqueror who's returning home to a city after he has fought bravely and he's, and he's won the battle. And the, the crowds gather and they get louder and louder and the, the parade slowly moves through the city till it gets to that central place where everybody can gather. And as you, you get there, you can smell the, the foods of celebration, right? You can, you can smell the cookout, the barbecue, whatever you have. You're going you're to smell this, the, the food filling the air, then the, the music starts, the band starts, and the celebration and the joy and the laughter man see that that's that's what peter's talking about for in this way entry into the kingdom of our lord eternal kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ will be richly provided for you 
That, that can be your entrance. That, that music, that celebration, the songs, the dancing, the, the joy will be so much greater than just the city rallying around you. It, it will be the voice of the one who looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's, that's why. That's why we seek to grow through the power of God as we seek to know him better. That's why we supplement our faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with endurance and endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. We do it to make our calling and election sure, but we also do it <laughs> to receive that rich reward of God's drawing us into his kingdom, leading us into eternity with him. Now, typically that would be a great place to stop the message time-wise and content-wise, but just for the last couple of seconds, maybe a minute and a half, after I get a quick drink of water here, I want you to hear the, the end again of, of the passage we read. I want you to hear the heart of the pastor and the heart of Peter. As he says this, Therefore, I will always remind you about these things even though you know them you're established in the truth you now have but i think it's right as long as i'm in this bodily tent to wake you up with a reminder since i know that i'll soon lay aside my tent as our lord jesus christ has indeed made clear to me and i'll also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure so so i just want you to hear the voice of the pastor that that says listen i know <laughs> i've said this before i know this is getting redundant i know you get sick of me repeating myself I, and i promise as a pastor i understand those things i i feel what what peter probably feels there but the reason he's repeating them is this we, we have a tendency to forget I mean, sin has such a huge effect on us and our hearts are so very wicked. And because our, our hearts are such idle factories, if we don't keep the knowledge of him central, something else is going to take his place. And, and because, because these things are so very important and, and they bring you the, the, the assurance and they remind you of the goal, Peter says, I will repeat this. I won't stop repeating it because you must keep your eyes open. You must be reminded that the greatest debt that you have ever had has been paid in full by Jesus Christ. Do not be blind. Do not be nearsighted. Instead, have your eyes open full to what Jesus Christ has done for you. Peter's going to say it over and over again. He's preparing them for what's coming next in this book. I'm going to say it over and over again to you. I'm trying to prepare you for whatever it is that God would have for you in his sovereignty this week. Love you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, so much that we can know Jesus Christ. Thank you that as we live in knowledge that we have access to your power. Thank you that you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. Father, may we live in such a way that makes that obvious and true. May we live in such a way that we, we confirm our calling and election, to, not to anybody else, but to ourselves, so that we live confident and assured. And then, Father, may we look forward to the day where you richly lead us into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. We love you. We thank you for your son. It's in his good and wonderful name I pray. Amen.